Ladies and gentlemen, we, people of color, daughters and sons of immigrants, we belong to Europe. I am, we are the story of Europe. Hello everybody, welcome to our podcast, We Belong. We Belong is a bold statement for young women of color living in Europe. I'm Yasmina Wiran and I'm an expert on peace and security at the AU-EU Youth Cooperation Hub and I'm an advocate for social inclusion and gender equality. We belong goes beyond the simple fact of existing. It's a claim for space, a need for acknowledgement, a quest for representation, power and inclusion. It's the stories of women that work day by day to break stereotypes, to change norms, to shape new narratives surrounding immigrant descents living in Europe. We will travel across European countries and hear their stories of activism, entrepreneurship, leadership, or simply struggle for recognition and respect. For this first episode, we are in France, Paris, the city of love. I arrived yesterday in France and my first guest is Ines Sediki. Ines is the founder of GetUp. GetUp is uh, an association, an NGO, and um, Ines, she's a French Moroccan young activist and a corporate social responsibility consultant. In the 80s, her parents immigrated to France to pursue the ideas of liberty and equality. And uh, from a very young age, Ines was exposed to injustice and the urge to take action. So Ines is here with me today and I'm happy to welcome her. So welcome, Ines. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So today we're going to introduce our format. For every woman that we will interview, we will hear one word, one story and one key. So today we want to hear your word. What is your word? So my, my word is in French, but I will translate it. In French, it's pouvoir, which translates into power or ability, which is, we'll talk about it later, but for me, a key f to be able to have power. You need to have tools, you need to have knowledge, and that's, where, that's how you gain power. So in French, the word pouvoir uh, recovers both the, the meanings, and I find it very, very interesting. Thank you. Power. What a beautiful word that you choose. And I'm sure that your story will resonate with this notion of power. So as I said, Ines, you were born in Paris, in a Parisian banlieue, and you works both for social justice and youth empowerment and you are a French and Moroccan activist. Um, in the 80s your parents immigrated to you to France to pursue the ideas of liberty and equality and from a very young age uh, you were exposed to injustice uh, and this is why you started to um, engage in the community and, the, and to address the need uh, for young girls to, uh, to exist in, uh, in the public space. So please tell us more about your youth uh, in French banlieues and yeah, your story. Sure, thank you very much, uh, Yasmin. 
So yes, I grew up in the in the Parisian suburbs, which are actually uh, the underprivileged areas in in Paris, because the suburbs are usually in in the uh, English speaking countries. It's more uh, the the center of wealth, and in in France, it's more the outskirts and where all the poverty and the social exclusion uh, exists. So I grew up in the north of Paris, um, in a city uh, full of. Uh, immigrants and, and children of immigrants. And I had to, yes, as you said, it faced a lot of inequalities very early uh, in my in my uh, childhood. Uh, I saw economic inequalities. A lot of my friends' parents were unemployed and they lived in very complicated situations. And the violence, the violence that exists in, in, um, in the families, in the, um, amongst the youth, but also this, the violence that society puts on us as um, you know people from lower uh, social background background and all and um, so I grew up with that with the fact that there are two different fronts at least if not three or four uh, and um, it was something really hard for my parents as well when they arrived because as you said they came to France because they were activists in Morocco and they and they faced some um, problems there, so they came to to France, and they were like really excited about the you know liberté, égalité, fraternité, liberty, equality, and and brotherhood. And uh, but when they arrived in the suburbs, uh, they discovered a whole uh, different story in a different reality. And so very uh, early when they arrived, they they were not French yet, and they created an organization, a grassroots organization in the suburbs to help uh, migrants and people who just arrived from foreign countries who were refugees, for example, to um, work on their on their administrative tasks, they help them um, have access to lawyers. They really like use their ability to um, speak and write French to help the others. And they, everyone would come home to where we live, and I would like take phone calls and answer like the buzzer and you know tell my parents that this person's here. And so our house was basically like a social center. So I grew up like that, uh, with going to protests. So it was really in my DNA. And growing up, I really tried to also find my way to contribute to a more inclusive society and tackle injustice. And it has always been something really important to me. So even when I decided I mean, decided, it's also another story, but when I went to business school, because I didn't really know like all the options I had, and I had like one cousin who did that, so I just followed her path, and I ended up in business school. So when I got there, I also tried to find some meaning in what I do, some purpose, and that's what led me to becoming a CSR consultant, corporate social responsibility. And then there's the story of GetUp. Great, very interesting, and I think that your parents also shaped your story and the way that um, they showed solidarity for other immigrants uh, was something that was very important also in your in building your personality and your interest for for uh, for you know social issues so what in which way do you think that you know being an immigrant's daughter uh, has impacted your story well I think the first thing is that I know the other side of the story and not like the mainstream narrative about why do people come to Europe 
just for the money and then they just send it back home and so my parents the very reason they came here was really not for the money it was more for the the values and and what they thought they would find here which they didn't by the way um at least not the way they thought they would and um so yeah knowing that and knowing what it cost them to do that they left their whole family back in morocco um they start they started over here because like all their diplomas my mom for example she was highly educated in morocco when she came here and when she came here all uh her diplomas were worth nothing so she had to start over at like a level um level and um they stayed here they really started over they they built they built a whole life for themselves so that first um cliche uh, about immigrants i know it's 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 uh, completely wrong so from there i started learning to um uh, forge ideas of my own my own opinions about topics and not just like take the mainstream narrative for granted and for uh, face value and um that's the first thing and also i guess my parents also raised me to be um a, a balanced but proud muslim which is very hard in the society in which pushes you really to uh, question everything Uh, because you know more than anyone what people project on Muslim people and Muslim women uh, and Muslim women wearing the headscarf and all. And so you have to question that. You have to question, like, is my religion really that? What's wrong? With, like, am I really, like, a bad person? What's going on? And then you question the rest of society. And so I think that really uh, built in me a, a very independent mind. I'm not influenced I really want to go to the bottom of things before making my mind about the topic. And I think that's the, I mean, the main, this and wanting to uh, serve society and be useful for society, these are the two main uh, heritage my, my parents gave me. And how much do you think identity has been um, an issue for in, like in, your, in your childhood or in your uh, youth? And then... Um, a wealth later um, because that's something that we uh, experience a lot I uh, can say the same as an immigrant's daughter in Italy or in France or uh, in, other, uh, in other European countries we often have to struggle between our different identities that overlap uh, being a woman additionally can be also um, an added uh, burden or Uh, something that you can turn into a power, mm. by the way. So what do you think? I think you're right. I think it's extremely interesting how, and maybe we're going to talk about it like when we talk about the keys as well, but turning stigma into strength is a very effective way to move forward. And But f for that, you really have to learn about you, about your story, about first your parents' story, your community story, uh, your background, everything, own it really for it to become a strength. Uh, and in my case, I think just like you, I mean, we're both women, we're both like of uh, immigrant immigration descent. And we also have like, we're also Muslim, which is also another identity. And we also have um, a fourth one, maybe we have more, but 
fourth one for me, which was really important, was that I was coming from the suburbs, from the banlieue, which is also an identity in my country. Uh, so there's all sorts of uh, ideas that we project on, on youth from the banlieue, um, from, you know, ability to speak proper French, to the music we listen to, the food, the, how they imagine our families to be, like... Um, You know, there's a whole like identity that society built for the um, the youth of the suburbs, which I had to carry uh, on my back for a long time before realizing that half of it is wrong, and the rest of it is not a problem. It actually is strength. So, for example, I was a bit like I when I arrived in business school, for example, I didn't really want to talk about all the problems that um, I faced when I was younger, the poverty, the violence and stuff like that, because I thought that it was, you know, like, it was not a shame, but it was like problematic. And it was just like not add any value to the table. But then I realized, growing up in this environment and understanding what the system produces as inequalities, Um, that no one else sees. I mean, if you grow up in the fifth, uh, like district of Paris, you will never see this. You will never understand. You'll maybe le read somewhere that some people, um, you know, for them five euros is as uh, decisive as if they're gonna eat for the rest of the month or not. Uh, but you're not really going to understand that. But when you have a neighbor who knocks on your door at the end of the month to ask you for rice, for eggs, for, you know, like basic stuff, because they couldn't buy them for that last week and they would pay you back, that you then you understand really what it means. And so growing up uh, in that environment really helped me understand the world better and the consequences of all the policies that are really abstract and all. And then I realized that it was really a strength. Do you think that you were ashamed at the beginning of your situation? Because I kind of found myself in the same situation when I arrived in a in, in a grande école, in, in a French uh, elite school, and that's and that's precisely what we witnessed: is that there are, as you say, two at least two friends, and when you, as an immigrant daughter coming from from an underprivileged uh, neighborhood or background, you arrived to this school. How do you feel and um, how your place is questioned uh, by the others? Or, uh, yeah, like, how do you feel as a woman arriving there? I mean, when I went into, like, business school, which is like an elite school, and it was really the first time I, I started living in a very different environment from mine, different social background. I didn't understand the norms, like the, the codes, the social um, rules that they had. So um, my first, you know, attitude was uh, to take a step back and just like pull myself out of the group and just like look at them. And I didn't want to I didn't want to talk about really like all these topics because I didn't know how they would react. And I didn't know how I would react to their reaction because... I mean, if I say, I mean, I remember also like the first year I arrived in business school, there was like, we were not that many people from the banlieue, right? Like not many people of black, like black with black skin or brown people, right? So in my class, we were two first year. And at some point, one dude just like tried to be funny and talk to another Arab guy in my class. 
and he referred to him as Mohamed Mera. I don't know if you remember who that guy is. It was a, a terrorist um, uh, that you know uh, carried some attacks in in, in Toulouse uh, some some years ago, and uh, so if. He found it funny to just compare him to Mohamed Meha because it was the first Arab guy he met and his first thought of an Arab guy was that terrorist guy. And it was like so, um, you know, like chill and like no one ever said anything. And him and I, we looked at each other like, what is going on? Like, is this like how we're going to live? Like our, 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 scholar, like our studies here, is it going to be like that every day? And so the first times you just like, you want to hold back. You don't want to show too much because you don't know how, you know what it's going to lead to. But but then with everything we talked about and you know the introspection and I, I recommend everyone to read Francis Fanon if they can. It's really like good example of that work to, to that we all have to do to deconstruct the, the stereotypes and the 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 sense like the feeling of um, being inferior that sometimes we just uh, accept and integrate in our. Uh, way of thinking and what he wrote in the the, the, the work he did Franz Fanon is really about deconstructing all of that and um, so I read a lot during that time and it's one of the readings I, I, I did and uh, and it took me s like some time to really deconstruct all of that and become very confident with with all these identities and 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 talk about it a lot and try and you know, talk about it as much as I can to normalize it, to give uh, an opportunity to people to ask questions and talk about it and for that to become normal, right? So so sometimes I tend to over-talk about it. <laughs> but when I, in the first place, didn't really talk about it. But I think it's important to just own it. And that's what I think I did. Definitely. And the moment that you realize that you own your story, then you're more able to express it, but also to find your place within society. And do you think this is the moment where you thought about Get Up? <laughs> How this idea came and translated into action? I think Get Up was the, the outcome of a lot of things um, because it happened at the end of my studies. So I was finishing business school. I was... Um, doing an internship in the in the US in New York and uh, I was staying in Harlem uh, with a friend and um, I felt at home because it was like really like my suburb uh, in Paris which was the first shock for me I was like how is it possible that on the other side of the planet I feel um, at home I felt the same uh, as these people who grew up in Harlem or the Bronx, I have the same relationship with police, with school. Uh, I don't really feel at my like I belong all the time. So when we spoke, I really felt like we, we connected on so many different levels, which was the first um, trigger for me. And then I realized how the grassroots organizations there work with their youth um, from underprivileged areas. And they really put them in the center of the actions. They teach them to become the change they want to see uh, in society. And they give them the tools, and which we didn't really do back in France. In France, we have a very um, different, like we had at least when I grew up uh, in the 90s, a very different way of, of dealing with these topics. We would help the children of the banlieue do their homework and maybe we would take them to a museum sometime. But there's nothing that tells them that they're 
part of society, that they belong and that they, they, can, they can take action and, and also be part of what they want to, to see happening. And so when I um, came back home, I just felt like empowered. I also felt very French because it was the first time I had conversations with people who come from the same background as me, have the same experiences as me and still disagree on, on, on different topics on how we see the world, how we see society. And that's where I realized I was very French, which was the first time. Like more than them addressing me as French, which is already something that doesn't really happen often to uh, a brown woman in France. They would always ask you where you're from and blah, blah, blah. I never had these questions back in the, in the US. So that was the first thing. And then realizing on my own that my ideas are very French, that my ideals are also, are also very French. And then... So when I came home, I was like, okay, I need to find a way to um, um, share this experience with the youth in my community that will probably not have the opportunity to go to the U.S. or somewhere that far or maybe too late. And I wanted to share that. So the first thing we did was that we put them in front of um, computers and uh, we logged them with youth from the U.S. and around the world and we uh, asked them to just talk about who they are and what it is to be French and what they want to do later and what they think about politics and what they and it was like really a space where they could first value themselves regain their own narrative like we are French French Senegalese French Moroccan uh, so this is what it's like to be French but we also do that like we also every go, we go every summer to Morocco because our parents come from Morocco stuff like that and it was really important for them to be able to refer to to themselves as French with their own words and talk about their lives and their and their stories with their own words and not what the media says and everything. So that was the first thing. That's how we created the first program, which combines um, these uh, debate sessions and empowerment sessions with really uh, like hard skills and soft skills training for them to be able to combine their, their self-confidence that they're gaining with their uh, will to change the world and uh, skills, networks, and platforms to be able to do so. So that's how we created GetUp. Great. And do you think that identity, as you said, um, comes when we meet the other? Because often we don't really realize who we are until we, yeah, we just have to frame ourselves. And this is something that maybe helped these young people. And by the way, Where is the European identity standing in all this? Do you think that um, you also realize that somehow this way of living is part of a broader project beyond the French system? Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think one of the main assets of diversity and why it's important to have diversity is that it teaches you so much. Teaches you about yourself, about your culture, about it challenges you about the way you think of a of a problem. For example, when you have a designer, an engineer, uh, I don't know, like a researcher, uh, all sitting at the table and and trying to figure out the solution for a problem, they have you know three times uh, more chance to finding a creative solution and an effective one than just like three engineers or three designers that that would not see. Uh, the problem in the three, 360 like uh, way and um, so yeah definitely and I think uh, all the debates and the, the, the 
the, the fuss around like immigration and stuff like that. I mean, it's bad for immigrants and sons of immigrants, but it's really useful for Europeans to try and redefine what's Europe, right? Because like, for example, in France, I grew up and I have never seen uh, um, the TV or people, uh, or people in the media ask themselves what it is to be French until Muslims become became very um, visible in French society. And then they started questioning themselves. No, they're not French, but okay, but what it is to be French? And then they started thinking about the values. And then, you know, it's just like called everything into question. And I think that's very important. That's one of the biggest roles of diversity is to refresh the ideals, is to re-question everything and to um, help people learn more about who they are and the, their values, their culture and everything. So I think you're, you're very right about that. And I think also that, yes, in the European projects in itself is this guarantee of diversity. And how do you integrate uh, the European Erasmus projects, you know, all the tools that European gives, mm. um, the European Union gives mm. uh, to, to NGOs, how do you um, use them in your association? So we use Europe a lot because we were talking about it, but in Europe there is a lot of diversity. Um, the Netherlands has nothing to do with France, which has nothing to do with the UK, which is leaving, by the way, which has nothing to do with Germany. There, we all have like we have a common solid uh, history, but we also have very uh, different specificities and and cultures, which, as we were saying, really helps uh, question: uh, Are we doing this right? Are we thinking the right way? Um, is there something we're missing? So. The way we use Europe in, in that way, like we um, connect the youth from France and, and, and Germany or, or the UK, it's for them to compare their lifestyle, what their school system offers, what their healthcare system offers and start realizing that maybe in France we have things that uh, don't exist in the UK, but they also have stuff that are great and that we don't have and that maybe we could implement. So that's the first thing. And it develops also a sense of Um, critical thinking that is really important but we also use it the way we said it earlier for them all of them because we work with youth from underprivileged backgrounds everywhere in Europe it also helps them to feel legitimate in their own country feel that they belong because they take the the ambassador's role so they talk about politics in their country about uh, culture in their country which is not like a role they're given often And it helps them really gain self-confidence and feel like it's their country as well. And then there's the, the next level because they see that they have similarities in the way they lived, their struggles and all. They also realize that they're all European. Their um, common shared everyday life and struggles. And so they have to fight uh, united against that. But also as in terms of their responsibility for the rest of the world, because they also have, for most of them, uh, immigrant backgrounds. And so they learn all together that Europe also has a responsibility when it comes to the migration crisis, when it comes to uh, sustainable development and stuff like that. So also on, a, on an even more global level. And Europe is a really good scale to do that because you, you can work on different countries, you can work on the level of Europe, and it really... Um, 
teaches you to become a citizen of the world eventually. And you spoke about belonging, this sense of belonging and how um, debating between mm -hmm. Europeans and new generations Europeans helps um, understanding what we have in common. But we, you also spoke about a particularism that there is in France and some struggles that are particularly um, unique in our society, in this French society. So I'm wondering what are the main obstacles that are common for immigrant sons in Europe? Um, and also how to come back to this stigma, mm. how to turn this stigma into action, how to mm. use these, uh, these obstacles as uh, a power. Things that come, uh, come up a lot during the conversations we have with the youth around the world, and Europe especially, is um, issues around racism, around the relationship with the police, stops and frisks, Um, the difficulty they see f for their uh, older brothers and sisters to have access to jobs, decent jobs, the harassment they feel from the media, uh, always talking about them the wrong way and talking about, you know, their background the wrong, the wrong way. And then you have, like, general concerns, like sometimes there are issues that affect everyone uh, globally, like um, global warming, Um, so that's that's what we talk about, and I think the main um, the main way to to turn all these problems and this like constant inequalities that we see on an everyday life is to understand them, and understand that it's not because of who you are that you leave that. For example, one of the main um, the thing that really struck me the most is that. We we took the youth from, from the suburbs of Paris to London to the Museum of Immigration and they had the opportunity to talk with the, the, the Londonian youth about migrations and they saw that even though they don't look the same, immigration here in France are it's mostly North African, African people and less Asian people, whereas in London and in the UK it's mostly Indian, Pakistani and, and from people from Bangladesh a lot. And even though they don't look the same, They have, they face the same struggles as children of immigrants. So they realized at that moment that it was not because they were Arab or black or Indian. It was because they were a minority in the country, uh, in the European country. And it was because of the history. All the countries where the parents were from were colonized countries. And so understanding that it's a systemic problem and not like a problem as an individual also deconstructs a lot the inferiority you can feel. So it's not because you're black, it's because you're, um, your parents came from a colonized country and you live in a European country. That's what's going on. And do you think that this systemic um, discrimination has an impact in the way they see themselves and in the way they will ambition after to aim at a job position? Definitely, and that's why we try, and my, our main goal is to deconstruct all of that, to help them understand that they are not less worth of anyone, that they have all the, 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 the skills and all the, the, the intelligence they need to aim, high, to aim high, but it's just social barriers, it's uh, prejudice that they can face, so we, we learn, we teach them, so they're aware that it's going to be harder, but you can do it. 
So uh, helping them do that, do that work, really opens their, their mind. For example, we had like a lot of uh, youth in the program who, uh, after traveling to London and meeting the, um, the youth there, came back and said, I want to be able to do that more. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to live in a foreign country. I want to be able to work in a foreign country. So they would start thinking about going on an exchange uh, program. But to do that, you have to enroll in university. So they would, you know, it would work like that. And then they would meet all the people we meet throughout the program, the journalists they co that come and help us learn about um, critical thinking and fake news and all. They, they meet with journalists and they be want to become journalists. They meet with activists and they want to become lawyers. They want to, so that's what we try and do: uh, expose them and teach them about self, you know, love and uh, and acceptance. And I think that's the key. Yes, overcoming this imposter syndrome that exactly. prevents them from, yeah, feeling that they can, that they belong, that they can be part of a society and. Uh, aim at leadership position or even just at higher positions. And by the way, um, also the fact that you introduce them to journalists, to professionals, helps a lot because often we as immigrants' sons and daughters, especially, we lack of role models. We see that um, we, like our parents often, they renounce to so much in order to give us a future and therefore they don't maybe have uh, the means or the uh, time to spend with the children and because of that they can't like children can't really get an advice from their parents to to then make the right decisions so how to fill this gap and how to fill this void of you know um having a role model having a person that advises you i think there's not a lot of options just show more people <laughs> uh, broadcast more people put people on television and um, in politics and uh, in, in research all the fields and and um, it's it's our our job our generation to try and go as high as possible and talk about it but it's also our allies job to try and make room for for us and and make sure that they do everything they can to also um, help us overcome the barriers that exist as women, as people of color, as so. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a. It's a. It's a teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, and this representation, precisely, it's uh, it's a real struggle that we face in Europe, not only at the national level, but especially at the European level. We don't have enough diversity and maybe if we just had um, people at the political level that had uh, the same backgrounds as us maybe we, this could help just to see that it is possible right Definitely. yeah um, okay so I have a question for you regarding um, a key that you would like to share um, so what is just to conclude your key for our audience. We talked about so many keys. I think um, the biggest one is just to, I mean just, is to own who you are and accept who you are. And, and for doing that, you have to go to, um, to the bottom of things, learn about your story, uh, try and understand your struggles, 
because it's not just you it's a it's a global problem and i think that knowledge and the tools you will gain um by learning will empower you to be able to take concrete actions and to have a real impact in the world thank you thank you ines thank you for being here with us thank you so much Yasmin. To conclude, my key for this episode is the programs that the GetUp NGO offers. In partnership with the several members of the European Parliament, they select every year young people coming from the banlieue to do an internship at the European Parliament. So follow them and get in touch for more information. This was the end of our first episode. This podcast series is produced by Le Cavalcade. I also encourage you to follow us on social media, share with us your story of belonging, because every voice matters. And you can find us on all podcast platforms and even on YouTube. Stay tuned to hear more stories of the new Daughters of Europe.